Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Guest of Freedom. My name is Gary Jenkins. I'm your host tonight. You can contact Leslie Guest via Facebook by just uh, searching for Leslie Guest or go to www.guestoffreedom.com. Leslie Guest is a high school teacher in Fort Wayne, New Jersey. The historian in her became evident when she began to research on her college paper, which would be called The Guest of Freedom. She advocates for the recognition of the dynamics of Multicultural collaborations in every talk she gives around the country, focused on the remarkable life of William Still and how he influenced the Underground Railroad and all that he met along all the people he met along the way. Her talks are committed to promoting social change brought about by people acting in good faith towards one another. Tonight we have Preston Washington. Preston is a uh, friend of mine. Uh, my name is Gary Jenkins, and uh, I am your guest host tonight. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, and uh, I've done a couple of films here in Kansas, documentary films and black history topics here in Kansas City. And, and let me tell you just a little bit about Preston. Uh, Preston, are you on yet? I hope I am. Okay, you're there, Preston. Hold on. I now. am? I'll, okay, I'll, great. Yeah, you're good. Uh, uh, let me uh, let me introduce you just a little bit here. Uh, 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 Preston, uh, uh, I knew Preston back when he was a Kansas City, Missouri police officer. He's a former Kansas City, Missouri police officer. And then he left that job, and he was a counselor for many years, specializing in addiction treatment and addiction recovery. And he recently retired, and he's now working full-time using his genealogy skills. He's, uh, uh, I know one thing he's been involved in. He's very active in an effort here in Kansas City to identify a pauper's grave site where hundreds of the city's poor were buried without any kind of markers whatsoever. And, and actually, the, uh, uh, some of these graves are covered over by the uh, police pistol range now. Uh, these people who are buried there were primarily African Americans who had been treated in the public hospital, and, and there were also people who were serving time in the city's jail or the city, what they called the city farm in that area. Uh, and he does quite a few other things. Uh, Preston, uh, you want to tell a little more about yourself, and then we'll start asking some questions. Well, I'm involved in uh, genealogy, as you mentioned. I'm the president of the Midwest Afro-American Genealogical Interest Coalition here in Kansas City. And uh, we're involved not only in the project that you mentioned at the Lee's Farm on that cemetery, 
but also inventory um, cemeteries in various counties here in Missouri, particularly African-American uh, cemeteries, as they are have been underserved in terms of genealogy and getting those records online and uh, hopefully uh, descendants or will find their way to those uh, cemeteries. Well, now, now, Preston, for in regards to African American cemeteries and, and in small towns, especially ar around the state, uh, I think of back in in my hometown, and and as we we always called it growing up, the Colored Cemetery, and it was it was right next to the uh, White Cemetery. The White Cemetery was divided into the Protestant and the Catholic sections, and then there was where all the cemetery where all the African Americans that lived in uh, Plattsburgh, Missouri, were buried, and and uh, um, and you're right. When, when I was a kid, it was not very well taken care of, and and I've been up there since, and and it's it's been fixed up. There's a lot of some new headstones that replace some old ones, and uh, and they're all up and everything. And what, what kind of problems do you run into uh, 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 trying to catalog the African American cemeteries and find out who was buried there and, and get that information online? Because I know that's a a uh, huge help to anybody trying to research their own family history to to find uh the get the dates of death dates of birth get all kinds of information from the cemetery well uh, hopefully what, what kind uh, of problems you run into the um the major problem is finding a sexton that is someone who was in charge of the cemetery and who has records um if you can catch those that are alive um and so often the sexton did not leave a written record because he or she had it all in their head. Um, so generally we will find the local black churches. Uh, usually we'll have a cemetery attached. In most cases they don't have a sexton. Um, the stones were made out of sandstone, so they don't last very long. The writing is not very clear. So you have to have a lot of paper and chalk to try to trace over the uh, headstone to come up with the name and uh, the dates. Oftentimes we can go to the county and perhaps find a record. Um, we can often go to the local uh, undertaker's office. Uh, generally one undertaker in these small African communities handled all the African burials, and sometimes we'll have records that... Um, the county won't have. Uh, oftentimes we can find out who uh, paid for the burial space. Uh, came into a few surprises on that, too. Uh, oftentimes uh, we have found that whomever they worked for, which was usually a white family, paid for the cemetery plot. And, of course, that leads us into another uh, area of research and an attempt to contact the descendants of those individuals who paid for those those slots. So those are generally the problems. Oh, the graves are sunken. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the headstones are often sunken, and you can't find them. They're broke. Uh, those in the rural areas, cattle, horses get in and break up the the, the, the stones and whatnot. Um, so those are just a few of the issues uh, that we face. And as you mentioned, a lot of the cemeteries uh, might have been one cemetery, but 
the whites had one section, blacks had another section, <clears throat> usually towards the back. Uh, they weren't well kept. Right, that's the way it was. Students, et cetera, um, which can make it difficult. But uh, we tend to get the job done. And then we can, in turn, post those on various websites. Uh, Afrogenus is probably the largest African-American website where you can find uh, uh, African-American cemeteries that have been canvassed um, in the various states uh, in the United States. And that's Afrogenus. Could you spell, is that www.afrogenus.com? Could you spell that out for anybody yeah. listening? It's uh, A-F-R-I-G-E-N-A-S, Afrogenus.com. <clears throat> Usually you can just Google that, Afrogenus, A-F-R-I-G-E-N-E-A-S, Afrogenus. All right, good. Is there any other uh, uh, resources for people wanting to uh, 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 research their family and, and uh like that, that 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 would have like the cemetery information in particular. Well, you can go to the various counties. Uh, U.S. Gen Web, that's U.S. Gen G E N W E B, is a project where all the states um, have a website that has genealogical information. Now, some states are not as good as other states when it comes to posting or keeping up with African-American uh, genealogy or, or slaveholders, uh, cemeteries, etc. Some are very good, some not so good. And, uh, but that's usually a good site to hit. Uh, again, U-S-G-E-N-W-E-B. And then on the left side of that page, all the states will be listed. And you can hit that, you know, hit the state that you're interested in. It's important to know the county uh, that your ancestors resided in, uh, more so than the town. Uh, for example, in my own uh, research in Oklahoma, uh, my mother always said they were from the Four Mile Branch. Well, the Four Mile Branch didn't make it to the map. And the Four Mile Branch is four miles east of Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, which is in Muskogee County. And so it's important to know the county. Um, oftentimes, so many times you may need to make a contact in a local historical society or, or somebody in the county to, to help sort those kinds local of... Local historical society. Local, local landmarks and local things out like that. Exactly. They can be very helpful. I just had an experience here in Missouri. Sheraton County, Missouri. And by the way, spelling. Let me mention this, spelling. When I first started out in the late, oh, the mid-1980s, uh, my father's family is from Sheraton County, Missouri. So I go to the library. I'm looking for Sheraton County, S-H-E-A-R-T-O-N. I know how to spell Sheraton. I've been to that hotel, in fact, you know. But it mm -hmm. turns out it was C-H-A-I-R-T-O-N, yeah. Sheraton. I understand so, that. you got to know these nuances in the spelling, right. uh, no matter which state you're in. You know, uh, I, I, but the I Sheraton understand. County. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to mention that uh, something that, that came up and uh, was brought to my attention that there's actually a, a new documentary movie coming out about a black philanthropist group 
who helped pay for burials for blacks right after uh, African Americans, right after the Civil War, after people were freed. It's freed. It's called The Contradictions of Fair Hope. It's narrated by Whoopi Goldberg and, and has music by jazz, music, jazz musician Kristen McBride. Uh, it, it tells a kind of a little-known story of the Fair Hope Benevolent Society, which was in Alabama, and uh, they were these were groups. Uh, there were other benevolent societies like this, and and these were groups that were formed after emancipation by newly freed slaves throughout the South to help care for the sick and feed hungry and and help bury the dead people and and make sure these burials got cared for. I just wanted to to mention that to anybody. Well, I'm glad you did. That gives me Contradictions of Fair Hope is the name of it. Contradictions of Fair Hope. Fair Hope. It gives me something to to look into as well. Also, the Freedmen's Bureau, there were a lot of atrocities right after the, uh, uh, right at emancipation when the Civil War ended. A lot of marauders and, and, and going through uh, black communities and beating and killing a number of folks. So the Freedmen's Bureau started, and they also kept track of those atrocities um, and even listed those people that were murdered. I don't know if everybody was found that committed those murders, but at least the Freedmen's, uh, right. the Freedmen Bank tried to keep track of that. Also mentioning uh, an African-American resource, the Freedmen's Bank can be a very valuable resource in that uh, How do you access point, that? Uh, there's a website. Uh, just oh. go uh, go to your favorite search, uh, search engine. I uh, I like Google, as my mother calls it, Cousin Google. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we'll go in and ask Cousin Google, take me to the Freedmen's Bureau. Okay. And uh, mostly in the southern states. Uh, not all southern states had a uh, Freedmen's Bureau, but there you'll find employment contracts. Um, a lot of freedmen went in and were hired by their former masters. Contracts were made. Uh, children were listed. Um, uh, a salary was agreed to, uh, medical expenses, uh, room and board, and that sort of thing. Also, the Freedmen Bureau kept track of marriage records. And in several states, uh, Missouri being one of those states, uh, slaves were required to come in and have a Christian marriage. Oh, and, right. Um, yeah, and another good deal about that is that not only are the bride and groom enumerated, but all children that were born prior to that marriage are also listed on the document. And uh, I found my great-grandparents here in, in Randolph County, Missouri, through those records, those marriage records. And yeah, interesting. Of, I, uh, in the uh, one of the slave narratives, they they talk about uh, the couple had been, you know, quote unquote, married uh, while slaves, and and then when they were freed, they said that the Missouri law required them to then be married under the law, and right. so they and it cost five dollars. They went. They had to go to the county courthouse and get a marriage certificate, which would have gotten recorded then. In, in it would have gotten recorded now. There were some that didn't. Five dollars was hard to come by. Right, right. Everybody didn't do that, but uh, but that was, you know, that that was uh, uh, something that a lot of people actually did do. Oh yeah, oh a lot of them did that, and the records are there. Um, you just have to know that they're there, and 
know what the laws were in the particular state that you're researching, but always ask for those uh, marriage records uh, immediately after slavery. Sometimes the previous the slaveholder would put up the five bucks, um, and that probably happened a lot here in Missouri because, as you indicated in your research, the populations the, the slave populations were not that large here. So right. slave owners might only have four or five slaves or whatever. Maybe only had one or two marriages, so it wouldn't have been very difficult for them to put up the ten bucks. And then it, it, it seemed to me like it, in my research that uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but but I had several instances where people then continued to stay with the slave master here in Missouri. Oh yeah, and, and became a, basically a tenant farmer for them. I mean, exactly. they didn't That's get much money, but but they were still. You know, they were kind of already in some ways part of the family and because and they were small slave holdings and everybody, you know, lived close together and worked together. And so they stayed and just uh, continued to be an attendant farmer for the exactly. uh, uh, farmer. So it would be that's in his interest. You, that's where you would find a lot of those employment contracts in the uh, Greek Bureau. Uh, and a lot of those employment contracts were with the former owners, the former slaveholders. And so, but only now, you know, they would agree to pay them two, three dollars a day, provide room and board, some medical assistance, et cetera. So, yeah. Interesting. What, what about the military? I noticed in the uh, uh, cemetery uh, up there in Plattsburgh that there was a, a lot of headstones that indicated either World War One or World War Two their service. And so, and and I would imagine a lot of people get a. Uh, if you've been in the service, you can get a military burial, or you can get some kind of assistance from the military. If you yes, you can get a military burial. Um, maybe be buried in a national cemetery. But not only that, uh, just here recently, uh, in two counties here in Missouri, there's been some research done on the United States Colored Troops, um, and you'll find a lot of those burial sites as well, even here in Kansas City over at uh, right around 31st and Main. What's the name of that cemetery over there? Um, uh, Union Cemetery? Yeah, Union Cemetery. Yeah, Union Cemetery, just yeah, just north of 31st and Main. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, United, is that Joe Lewis Maddox? Right. Uh, uh, well, Magic was involved in some of that work as well. Uh, and there are a number of black folks buried there. There's United States Colored Troops buried there and uh, all through what about accessing those records then how how does how do people go about that those well there's a space site um called fold three which was formerly called footnote but apparently footnote sold out to somebody now it's fold three and you can go on that um website and access Union records and Confederate records. Uh, and I think a number of black folks will be surprised to learn of the number of black folks that fought for the Confederacy. Uh, some because, actually, they believed in the cause, and some who were who went to fight in place of their slaveholder or their slaveholder's son. Well, interesting. I hadn't heard that one before. So rather yeah. than being conscripted, you could send your slave to fight for you. You would send your slave to fight. Huh. And some of the slaves uh, accompanied uh, their slaveholder to war uh, to serve very much like right. they did on the plantation. 
Right. I, I had heard of that where somebody would have, you know, kind of like a manservant or something. Somebody had been close to them as a, a servant, and, and they went off to war, and they would just take basically their servant to war with them and serve them exactly. alongside them. But there were a number, I don't know how significant, who actually fought in place or served in place of their Interesting. slave And uh, now if you have a local library, a genealogy library, we're very fortunate here in the Kansas City area in that we have the Midwest Genealogy Center in Independence, which is probably one of the top five genealogy centers in the country. Uh, you can get to Fold 3 through the library's uh, uh, the library's uh, site, as long as you're in the library, you can ask. Oh, you, you don't have to pay for it. It's like Ancestry.com. If you go to the National Archives, you can access Ancestry.com without paying for it. Exactly. And with Fold Three, you can do that many you times. You can do the same a, thing at the library. What spell that? Spell that. www. What? F O L D. The number three. Number three, okay. www.fold, the number three, dot com. But you won't be able to access that if it's a a subscription site. Right, like Ancestry.com. It's 60-some bucks a year, maybe, Mm. 50-some bucks a year. But if you got a library card or if you got a genealogy library that has a membership, as you mentioned earlier, like Ancestry, uh, the hookup they have with Ancestry, they have the same hookup with Fold 3. And you can go to the library and access that information. Now, in, uh, you talked about spelling, and, and I know that's the, uh, many times people just spelled things phonetically and uh, uh, and spelled it different ways at different times. I, I ran into that a lot doing research. And, and so uh, mentioned about nicknames and real names. What, what kind of... Uh, Probably yeah, nicknames and real names. Uh, you go through your family history, uh, particularly in the African-American community, and there might have been an Uncle Peter. Uh, we'll just say Peter Jones. And you search and search and search and search and search, and you can't find Peter Jones until you find out that Uncle Peter's real name was Alexander. Okay? Mm-hmm. And he was, for some reason, known as Uncle Peter. You know, in my own situation, I was way past grown before I knew one of my aunt's name. I always knew her as Aunt Dinah, mm-hmm. but her name was Beatrice. But you couldn't have paid me to believe that her name wasn't <laughs> Aunt Dinah. And the same way we had an uncle, Uncle Tuda, whose mm-hmm. name turned out to be Emmanuel. It was a nickname. Uh, hmm. And in some areas, particularly in, in Oklahoma, out of the area that my mother is from, nicknaming was very... Very common. Nobody was known by their or addressed by their given name or birth name. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a nickname practically. Uh, Snooky uh, was one of my aunts. Uh, Bear was one of my cousins. <laughs> so, um, in doing African American research, you start out by interviewing the elders. Mm-hmm. And when they give you these names, you got to countercheck to make sure that that's the given name and not a nickname. Okay. So, so you always, when, when people, you just don't take any name particularly for granted. You ask exactly. more questions about the name, and 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 if they're not sure, uh, or or does it seem like uh, 
that they're sure, then then you just keep asking questions and and maybe ask other people. Okay. And also be aware, uh, in African-American research, the repeating of names. And it's something we've gotten away from. Uh, For example, um, it was very common for the father, when his first son was born, he wouldn't name him after himself. You know, you see very few juniors. He would name him for his father. Mm. Uh, for example, my great-grandfather, Adam Macknack, named his firstborn son Wallace. Well, Wallace was named for Adam's father. On the his wife's side, she would name the first girl after her mother. Um, my grandmother named all her children after her brothers and sisters, which I found uh, was a very good thing because it allowed people to tell the story, to keep the oral story alive. In other words, children would then, well, why did you name me such and such? And then you have a chance to tell the story. You were named for your grandfather, your great-grandfather, his name was such and such they lived. So it gives you an opportunity to tell the story. And uh, I would encourage uh, African Americans particularly to consider that naming pattern for our ancestors so that we can keep the the oral tradition alive so that we can tell the story. And we've kind of gotten away from that. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, I know you've done a lot of work among uh, um, because of your own history, your own family history, uh, uh, among the Cherokee. Uh, 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 I mean, yeah, the Cherokee, the five civilized tribes down in Oklahoma, which were uh, um, um, came out in the Trail of Tears, I guess, originally. And, and so, talk about that a little bit, Preston. Yeah, uh, very interesting research. Um, And like a lot of African Americans, uh, you know, I'd been hearing since kindergarten that we were, we had Indian ancestors, that, you know, there were roll numbers, et cetera. Um, Not until I really got into the research um, that I come to understand um, uh, the significance of that portion of the history of my mother's family. Now, in doing that research, you have to think a little bit about geography as well. If your family was connected to, which is now the state of Oklahoma, if your forebears came up out of that state, there's a very good likelihood that they might have a connection to one of the five uh, civilized tribes, which would be the Cherokee, the Muscogee Creek, um, Choctaw, the Chickasaw, and the Seminole. Now, my own situation, uh, we have connection to both uh, the Muscogee Creek and the Cherokee Nation uh, by blood and uh, through slavery. Um, it can be very complicated, but it's there. The Dawes record, D-A-W-E-S, named for a senator by the name of uh, Henry Dawes, um, well, before that, in 18, the early uh, 1890s, uh, the Curtis Act was passed, uh, 
in Congress, and this was an act to break up the the tribal, to take the tribal governments away from the five civilized tribes. And as such, they the the land had been held in common. Well, now they're going to break up the land and parcel it out individual. Uh, you're going to have to put up a fence and all that business, and uh, putting in the idea of private property. So people so had this to come was, this forward. was this was in Oklahoma. This was in Oklahoma. At uh, that time, was so was there was like a reservation? No, no reservations. Um, the five civilized tribes very much lived in particular areas. There, there was no reservation okay. system okay. for the five civilized tribes in Oklahoma or Indian Territory. Um, Indian Territory was dissolved in November 1907, and of course became the state of Oklahoma. And, and, and so uh, is that that's when they uh, started, I guess, granting like 160 acres, for example, like a homestead to individuals exactly. and put it in their exactly. names. Okay, all right, I got you now. Yeah, and believe it or not, it was 160 for every member of the family. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, the bunch yeah. of boys are a big family. 120, 150, yeah. If they were under the age of 21, if they were over the, if an individual's over the age of 21, they had to. Apply so the person the Afri- Okay, the African American and and Native American connection. Then now, did that come out of slavery uh, uh, originally? I, I know that the Indian tribes down there in Oklahoma did uh, own slaves. It's a little bit different, I understand, as far as the relationship. But but is that kind of is that was it initial how they got together as, as two different people? Yeah, it actually it started in the southeast. Part of the United States before, before they the, came before, west. Before yeah. they came west, so they, they, they were slaves uh, with them. They were very close to their white neighbors who were slave owners. The um, uh, traders who were mostly white started marrying into the Indian tribes, um, and their descendants start taking on the characteristics of their fathers, who were basically slave owners. Uh, slaveholders who um, could improve their their financial situation by owning slaves. So the five civilized tribes adopted uh, uh, like behavior. Now some say that they are different uh, or was different, etc. Uh, I'm not so sure that that's correct. there's a gentleman uh, by the name of Halliburton who wrote a book called Red Over Black and talked about slavery in the, uh, the five civilized tribes. And they had slave laws very much like their neighbors did. Uh, it was against the law for slaves to marry, to bear arms, to own property. Uh, they had to be returned if you if they ran away, what have you. Uh, there were so many lashes for this offense, that offense, uh, assaulting a slave owner, slave holder, uh, uh, you could be put to death, etc. So the slave laws were very much, very much institutionalized within the five civilized tribes. So, so this was you, you. You learned this from documents uh, uh, where they had, that these were. Uh, Indian uh, tribal, Native American tribal laws that, that exactly. mimic the the white uh, black coat. Now it wouldn't be black. Black clothes were after the 
uh, freedom. These mimicking white laws on how you deal with, uh, how you deal with slaves. slaves. Yeah. Okay, exactly. and, and so how, you know, how do you find those uh, those Indian laws? Is there? Uh, uh, well, you I have guess, to. As I mentioned, uh, uh, the book that I mentioned, Red Over Black. The guy's name is Halliburton. I can't. Oh, okay. You, you you got this out of the Red Over Black. Yeah, and oh, several okay. other. Uh, there's a, a number of books out there. Uh, you know, titles I've forgotten because um, I got very involved in reading the history of what was going on uh, in Indian Territory. The National Archives may have some of that information. Uh, your slave narratives will have some of that. Uh, the Dawes testimony. Um, the where, Dawes test. What, what, what was that? There's the Dawes records. Uh, the National Archives uh, has that information. Fold three has all that information on their website. Oh, okay. okay. The, the, like the, the the statutes that the, the the laws that the Indians had. No, no. The Dawes Commission is where. Individuals, not only uh, ex-slaves or the freedmen, as they were called, but mm -hmm. Native Americans, whatever tribe you belonged to, you had to come in and prove up your rights, as they called it. You had to prove your rights. And in those rights, uh, in that testimony, um, particularly amongst the freedmen, they had to name their slaveholder, who were they owned by, they had to name their parents. You can probably get two or three generations' worth of information out of those Dawes records. Um, a lot of information that you wouldn't necessarily know. For example, um, when I used to hear the stories about my grandfather and his wife being of Cherokee, you know, slaves and whatnot, and, you know, had Cherokee numbers and whatnot, well, my grandfather was born in Texas and yeah. didn't move to Oklahoma until he was 20. I said, well, how the hell could he have, well, excuse me, how could he have been associated with the Cherokee? Well, I come to find out by reading the Dawes information, their testimony, they were related, they were uh, held in bondage by a gentleman by the name of Jesse Mayfield. Well, Jesse Mayfield was a white man from South Carolina, there was another white gentleman by the name of Caleb Starr who came from Pennsylvania. He was a Quaker. And he married, uh, Mr. Starr married into the Cherokee Nation. Well, Mayfield married one of his daughters, Sarah Walker Starr, S-T-A-R-R. -R. And as a gift, and I haven't confirmed this yet, because I don't think Mayfield was a slave owner before the marriage, but Caleb Starr was. And I think he uh, gifted his daughter some slaves who then became known as Mayfield slaves. Okay? Okay. Although they were considered owned by a Cherokee because his wife was a quarter-blood Cherokee Indian. Sarah Walker Starr was. And then in further research, it turns out that my grandmother and Sarah Starr were cousins. Okay? Yeah. And so that was our connection in terms of blood and slaves amongst the, uh, the Cherokee Nation. And her mother, uh, Frances Hildebrand, married a gentleman by the name of Adam Macknack. 
MC, capital N-A-C. You'll sometimes see it spelled M-C, capital N-A-C-K. And he was a Muscogee Creek, and his father, Wallace Macknack, was three-quarter Muscogee Creek Indian. And all of that information, <clears throat> excuse me, came to me just by going through the Dawes testimony. And this was sworn testimony. Uh, the people had to go in and take an oath that they would tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing okay. but the truth. Although <laughs> I had a grandmother on the Mayfield that didn't stick with that truth too much. She uh, she kind of bent the truth, and the Mayfield family was uh, denied uh, Cherokee rights. Oh, I see. So uh, yeah, that's interesting that that uh, people people want to uh, and, and use these kind of records to prove that they uh, uh, are connected to the Cherokee tribe in order to have certain rights that that one can get by being a member of the tribe. Exactly. Well, citizenship was guaranteed to the uh, at least in my view. Uh, to the Cherokee freedmen due to the Treaty of 1866. Uh, are you still there? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. The Treaty of 1866, the uh, Cherokees went into the Civil War on the side of the Confederacy. And, of course, the Confederacy lost, so uh, the Cherokees lost their sovereignty. They had to come in and renegotiate, and what came out of that was the Treaty of 1866. Oh, that's the first time they were. Yeah, and since they were a sovereign nation, one of the articles is that they agreed to take in former slaves as citizens and that they were to have all the rights of native Cherokees. Oh, so, so these people the didn't have that these slaves didn't have to be like part Indian by blood. They no. simply had to be a former slave of a former of, slave of or any free person that had been living in Indian territory at the time that the Civil War ended. Now, one of the stipulations also is that if, if any freedmen had been taken out of Indian Territory or left Indian Territory, they had to be back in Indian Territory within six months of the ratification of the treaty. Mm. So my grandfather's family, the Mayfields, were too late. They got back. They weren't back within six months of the ratification, although my grandmother's family... Uh, never left Indian Territory. They were right there through the Civil War, um, and of course their rights were intact. So, I uh, all my rights come through my grandmother, and and not my grandfather. His family was rejected because they were too late getting back. Yeah, and that you know you have a hard time getting people to understand. A lot of people don't understand that Native Americans, particularly the and the five civilized tribes, were slaveholders. Now, small percentage. I mean, it wasn't a very big percentage. Maybe three, four percent of uh, you know any given tribe uh, held. You know, three percent of the population were slaveholders. Right. But it indeed right. happened. And it was sanctioned by the Indian governments, uh, so it was institutionalized um, in the uh, in the laws of the uh, of the various nations. I, I know there's a, there's one story that uh, there's a man who's a pretty well real well well respected historian uh, William Connolly and from Kansas. He wrote a, uh, a a 
book, uh, uh, it's talking about Quantrell, and Quantrell was working undercover, so to speak, and was trying to uh, uh, catch freedom seekers coming from Missouri over into Kansas, and he would act like that he was going to get them on north to freedom, and then he would get them under his control and take them back to Missouri. And, and so there was, uh, he tells us, uh, William Connolly tells a story about three uh, freedom seekers came back from Canada, and they were on their way to Indian Territory, to uh, the Cherokees, to uh, free their wives. And uh, they, Quantrell tried to recruit them, in, and, and he said he would lead them down there, and they would you know, free a whole lot of slaves while they were in Indian Territory. And, and they said, no, no we'll, we'll just take care of this ourselves and, and, and dodge that bullet. Because shortly after that, Quantrell recruited uh, some Quakers and went over to, came over to Missouri and, and, and then uh, told on them and, and got them all killed. So uh, it's kind mm. of interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, hold on a minute. I got a question coming in here. Were there any? Uh, 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 I know there's some, and and I couldn't get into it. Uh, uh, there was at least one. Kansas Indian down around Osawatomie, uh, and I cannot remember his name that was involved with uh, Waddles and some of the Underground Railroad people. Uh, were there any? Did, have you run across any uh, uh, any of the Indian folks that that took the abolitionist view of slavery and, you know, and um, slavery in any manner? I came across one individual uh, known as Six Killer who was a Cherokee Indian, who um, came up to Missouri, there in Butler, Missouri, and was involved in that. He, along with some other Cherokees, uh, fought alongside uh, uh, black troops at Fort Africa. There oh, in Butler, okay. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the, was it the first colored? That was the first Kansas colored, colored volunteer. Color. Right. Uh, yeah. Skirmish at Island Mound, and they had the Island a, one building right. was called Fort Africa, right? Fort Africa, and that's the first skirmish that involved black troops. Um, right, right. In the, the United movie States, Glory so, didn't have it right. Uh, right. But was Six Killer was he in the first Kansas Colored, or no. was he just like a scout or something that, that was Six Killer so. just brought up himself and a few compatriots. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, they were very divided in Indian Territory, much like they were in the South. Uh, as I stated earlier, they started out on the Confederate side um, officially, but there were some uh, Cherokee regiments, and this happened in all the five civilized tribes. Um, they all officially uh, sided with the Confederacy, but there were splits and Union uh, companies were formed to assist the Union. And Six Killer supported the Union and came up from Oklahoma with some troops. I'm not sure how many, but he was involved in that skirmish at Island Mound. Okay. And uh, But that's the only thing I've come across so far um, um that I had I had one name uh, uh, of somebody down around Osawatomie, uh, 
but other than that, I didn't really have anybody. Uh, and there was quite a few uh, 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 Native Americans up along in eastern Kansas, even at that time. Uh, well, but, yeah, there was a, a Muscogee Creek uh, chief who left Oklahoma bound for Kansas um, that involved a lot of Indians and uh, black folk, and he got interrupted by uh, Stan Wadey's brigade. And I forget where the battle took place, but a number of them escaped over into Kansas and took refuge there and uh, waited out uh, the Civil War. So uh, I guess a little more about uh, uh, your family uh, uh uh, I got a question here. Have uh, you ever heard of somebody named George Sequoia Gist? Yeah, he um, uh, started the uh, the written language for the Cherokee, created a syllabary. Uh, in fact, I just bought a book the other day on the Cherokee language. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sequoia. Uh, I think his father, and I'm not sure. Sure, I haven't done the research on it, but I've seen it reported that his father was named Nathaniel Gist. Okay. And Nathaniel Gist married into the uh, Cherokee Nation, and Sequoia um, uh, invented the the Cherokee syllabary. Um, they were able then to start a newspaper. Uh, probably one of the probably the first Indian tribe that had a written language that actually, yeah, actually had a written language uh, were the Cherokees, mm. uh, thanks to uh, Sequoia. Uh, see, here's another. Alexander von Humboldt, a German ling- uh, linguist, uh, uh, and uh, 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 City named a Cherokee city named Humboldt was involved in the Underground Railroad. Are you familiar with that at all? Not familiar with uh, with the Humboldt. Uh, there were a number of Germans uh, uh, involved in the, in the Cherokee Nation. My own ancestry comes through the Hildebrands, who were German. John Hildebrand mm-hmm. was a mill operator came here with a, a German wife and five German children. Uh, he divorced his German wife and married a Cherokee. And his four sons and daughters all married into the Cherokee Nation and uh, held slaves. And uh, one of his grandsons, Stephen Hildebrand, had relations with my great-great-grandmother, Susanna. And that's where our Cherokee blood came into into being. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that so that ancestry, my particular ancestry is African, Cherokee, Muscogee Creek, German and English. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's quite a mixture there. Yeah, it is. Uh yeah. You really don't know who you are until you yeah, <laughs> really. do research. You know. Yeah. So, in, in, in researching your own family history, what what kind of primary source documents have, have you you used? Uh, I guess well, you've named off quite a few things here. There's Dodd's yeah. uh, 
Well, what you do is start with your oral history. You've got to interview the elders, uh, people that can remember people beyond your grandparents, etc. Get as much information as you can from the oral standpoint. Then your job as a genealogist is then to go out and prove or disprove uh, that information. The United States Census are very helpful. Uh, the 1900 census, particularly of Indian Territory, is very helpful because that's the first census, uh, United States census, that uh, the five civilized tribes appear in, would be 1900. Uh, another excellent uh, feature of the 1900 census is that the month and year that a person was born is also listed uh, in that census. So if you're researching the five civilized tribes, you want to start with the 1930 and work your way back to 1900 census of Indian Territory. And, now, now, did those census, did they uh, uh, show the connection to African Americans with Native Americans, or is it, uh, is it just, is it, uh, is it, I know it'll be broken down, uh, census by different categories. Will that show any kind of a connection with African-Americans and Native if Americans? You were, if you were recognized as a by-blood Indian, there will be uh, a breakdown um, of your uh, your ancestry or who you are and the ancestry or the genealogy of your mother and father. Okay. Uh, for example, it will say this person is Cherokee, Father Cherokee, Mother White. Now, okay. in my case, uh, when my uh, forebears were put on the, the Dawes Roll, the Dawes Roll had three sections, by blood, freedman, and intermarried white. And although on Francis's census card, it says that her father, Stephen Hildebrand, was a Cherokee Indian. She was not put on the blood roll. She was put on the uh, the freedman roll, obviously due to the fact that her mother was African. So there will be a number of freedmen who are on the freedman list. Um, I've identified maybe 125 of those individuals who were put on the freedman list who actually had uh, uh, Cherokee blood, but they didn't get listed that way. In the United States Census, they're going to be listed as either black or mulatto. Okay. So this Dawes Roll, that sounds like one of the better places to research though, that oh, kind of Oh, very connection. good place. I mean... Spell that. Uh, spell that for me. Okay. D-A-W-E-S. Okay, and, is it, and and then roll R O L L, R O L L, yeah. And, and so to find that, you just Google dot D A W S. Yeah, just Google Dawes roll. Or if you're fortunate enough to get access to Fold Three, all the all the documents are there, 100. Oh, okay, it's in that Fold Three that we talked about before. All three, you can find it there. You can find it here in Kansas City at the National Archives. Okay. Uh, they and, have, and probably uh, any any major city that has a National Archives. Any brand. major city, particularly Fort Worth, is the headquarters. A lot of information okay. there. 
And you can if like if you got a good genealogy library, you can order what they have. It's on microfilm, for example, at the archives. Okay. It's on microfilm at uh Midwest Genealogy Center. And if you're out of state, you can order those microfilm and have it sent to your library. Get a reader. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so if you were in like middle-sized town, uh, you know, in Missouri, be like St. Joe or Springfield or Jefferson City or something, uh, you know, Springfield, Ohio, that didn't have uh, a national archives, but you had a pretty good library, they could help you order that, exactly. a copy of that, uh, whatever microfilm. But would they have some kind of a com- way to computer search that too? Uh, you know, I don't know if they'd all have it on computer. When I started out, it was all on microfilm. Uh, Fold 3 has done a magnificent job in, in getting all that digitized and, and putting it online, and then you can just go right there and read the whole file, page by page. They, they've done a great job on that. <clears throat> but like I said, that's a prescription site, and uh, it's rather yeah, expensive. Yeah, okay. Here to so, four, yeah. I wouldn't do it, but when they put all those dolls rolls up, I, I broke down and paid it. Yeah. Okay. And and, and so you know, speaking about money and doing this, uh, I know that that uh, everybody can't do what you do. Uh, everybody doesn't have the time, and and uh, uh, like there's genealogists that charge a fee, and and are, I know you're retired now, and 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 are you doing some of that for for a fee for you some of that member comes to you? Uh, then you charge a fee for that, and and what would be a normal kind of a fee for a genealogist, whether you do or you well, don't? Well, I you can't. Know. I can't say what would be normal. Right. Um, I would. I charge people maybe ten bucks an hour, uh, no more than that. Minimum okay. of three hours, and uh, probably put a lot more work into that. Uh, one advantage I have is uh, I have access to all the records. I've done a lot of research already. I have a lot of the books already. Um, a lot of African Americans, particularly, you know, sometimes I can hear a name. Alberti uh, is one of those names. Nero mm-hmm. is one of those names. Mayfield, Macnac. I mean, this you are you know you know where to start looking if you when you hear yeah, exactly. Uh, Pettit, uh, Van V A double N. Yeah. Okay. What, what about DNA tests? You hear a lot about that. I, I knew this guy once that he had his DNA test and he took himself through. Uh, he was a white guy. But he took himself through Northern Europe to Russia and then down around to the Mid East. He, he uh, uh, and on all the way actually to Africa. And so, what, what do you think about the, doing the DNA test and to find? I'm your- not a big believer in the DNA. I'm more of a uh, paper person. Okay. I think DA, DNA might have its merits, but you got to have the paper to match it, you know. Uh, for example, a number of people are and they're trying to prove their Indian, Indian ancestry through uh, DNA testing. Right. See, now, some people DNA, are, are they, they want to get a connection to the, uh, the tribal rights to get some of the casino money or oil money or something. Well... They're going to be sadly disappointed. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There's not a lot of per capita pay coming out, particularly the five civilized tribes, and I can't say what's going on elsewhere, but no. Have you heard of people doing that? The DNA 
may be able to tell you that you have Indian ancestry. The uh-huh. thing they can't tell you is what tribe. Okay, so that's okay. why the All paper right. is important. Not even from maybe what part of the United States, from the Northeast or the Southeast or anything? No, no. It can tell you, yes, you have Indian blood, but they can't tell you the tribe. Your paper is going to tell you the tribe. If your okay. ancestors were in the Southeast or were they in the Plains area or were they in the Southwest? And then if they, for example, were in the Southwest, then you're going to look at Southwest tribes. If they were in the Midwest... You're going to look at the Plains tribes, okay. uh, Kansas, Nebraska, even Missouri, etc. cetera. Uh, if they came up out of the northeast and possibly from the northeast into Indian territory, then you're going to look at those southeast tribes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the best way to do it, if you believe you have a connection to a particular Indian tribe, is go to the Indian tribe. Uh, with what information you have. Some are very good in assisting you, and some are not so good. Right. Now, how do you find one, for example? I mean, just kind of a typical example of how you find I wouldn't have any idea to how, how to... Uh, well, it starts with geography. For example, my mother's from Oklahoma, okay? Okay, so you figure out kind of where at least family lore says your family's from, and then you go to Oklahoma. Exactly. And so exactly. then... Now, another thing you might uh, be aware of or may not be aware of, um, there, the Dawes Commission went also to Mississippi to interview what is known as the Mississippi Choctaw. There mm-hmm. were a number of uh, people who did not make the Trail of Tears. Um, there are three federally recognized uh, Cherokee tribes, for example, and one of those is in... Uh, North Carolina, on the Kuala boundary in the mm-hmm. state of North Carolina, uh, and had nothing to do with the Dawes Commission or whatever, but they're their own distinct tribe. Uh, they rely on a census, I believe, or a role that they developed in 1924, and they have a blood requirement. You have to be at least one-sixteenth uh, Cherokee okay. blood to right. get into that to to be adopted as a citizen into that nation. But generally it starts with geography. If you think you have a connection to the five civilized tribes, then your family in all probability, no matter where they live, once you get through the, you know, start going back generations, if there's an Oklahoma connection, then you would want to start looking at the Dawes Commission. Okay, we're, we're we're down to about two minutes here. Uh, let me ask you one more thing that I've always been a little bit curious about myself. I know a little bit about it. I know that President uh, Jackson said, uh, the Supreme Court said, no, the Cherokee can stay. They, you, we can't kick them out. President Jackson said, you know, uh, Chief Justice Marshall, you enforce your law, I'll enforce mine, and he kicked everybody out, and then that was the Trail of Tears. Can you tell a little bit about that Trail of Tears in in this last couple well, of minutes? You pretty, you pretty much said it there, Gary. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Uh, the chief. But, but the why, why did they call it the Trail of Tears? I guess just because well, actually, everybody and, and and like I mean, people don't understand the enormity of that either. I don't think so. Can you explain that? To actually. Um, 
the Cherokees called it the trail where we cried. Okay. They never they didn't call it the trail of tears. It was called the trail where we cried. I think the trail of tears is a Hollywood uh Oh, all right. And uh, a government government they got a park down the I-55 called the Trail of Tears Park. I know. It, it it's in the vernacular now. So right. so, so it, then that that was just uh, as Jackson kicked them out and and then well, they just Yeah, they found up. gold in Georgia. Okay. Uh-huh. It's oh, what precipitated the move. They found gold in Georgia. And, well, the settlers say, hey, we got to have access to these uh, to these Indian lands. Uh-huh. So uh, the bulk of the tribe, a great number of the tribe, was in Georgia. They were also in Tennessee and, and Alabama and North Carolina, those four states. So uh, some came voluntarily. Uh there was the there were two factions uh, the treaty party and the non-treaty party uh, a gentleman by the name they called him major ridge was uh, the leader of the treaty party who signed the treaty of 1835 new if i'm saying that right mm-hmm. uh, and he signed away the lands of the cherokee in opposition to the established government of the cherokee which was led by chief john ross John Ross went to court, fought in court three or four years. He won in court, and as you stated, Jackson said, "Well, Chief Justice, you uh, you did it. Now you enforce it." And right. And now, did any, were any of them able to make any kind of a treaty and stay behind, or, or make any kind of well? That was they, those those are the people that stayed back in North Carolina. I'm really uh-oh. not up on that history. Uh, there's a book out called The Eastern Cherokees by John Fingers, and I have not been able to find that book. I found one of Fingers' book, but not the book that explains what happened with those Cherokees that uh, remained behind in North Carolina. Okay, what, what was the name of the book? Uh, the Eastern Cherokees by okay, John Cher- Finger. The Eastern Cherokees by John Finger. Is that F I N G E R? F-I-N-G-E-R. He's okay. a professor of history at the University okay. of Tennessee, I believe. Okay. And um, I'm told on a good hand that that book contains the full story of uh, the eastern band of Cherokees there okay. in North Carolina. All right. Very interesting. We we are we're a little bit over time, Preston. So, My goodness. Uh, I know. We're we'll have to do this again. <laughs> well, we will. We will. I think she wants us to do it again next week. So uh, we'll be in touch. And uh, and I appreciate it. And uh, uh, it's been very entertaining and interesting. Uh, uh, it's um, uh, you know, it, it's what are you doing next? You know, I mean, you, you got any plans to? Uh, well, I've uh, I've self-published a book called uh, No Favor which is a compilation of newspaper articles uh, based on the life and times of those freedmen and slaves, et cetera, that were living in amongst the five civilized tribes. I'm working on volume two right now. Uh, and by the way, if anyone is interested, they can reach me at prewas at gmail.com. Okay. P-R-E-W-A-S. At gmail.com. Yeah. If you have any questions or whatnot. 
Okay, that, that, that's, that's pretty great. much it. I'm getting ready that, to go. Your, to the, book, the book you've self-published, uh, 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 how can someone find it? Uh, they would email me. They just email you and they can get it. Right. Okay. I'd send them some information, send them an excerpt if they are interested, et cetera. Um, but they would contact me. But what I'm getting ready to do now, I'm going to some genealogy conferences next week here in Missouri, Missouri State Genealogical Association meeting. So I'll be involved there for three days next week. Okay. Well, uh, I understand we've got some uh, callers uh, on the line. Uh, uh, I, I think, I don't know, I think they're trying to get them open. Uh, can you hold on just a minute, Preston? you got a few more minutes. We may have a question here from, sure. from an outsider. And, uh, 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 you know, this uh, self-publishing thing, uh, and I've been through that too, it's it's really interesting that, that anybody can write a book now. <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, so there's a lot more information out there. Did you, did you, you didn't put it on Amazon? No, I didn't. Uh, 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 if hold on a minute, Preston. If there's a caller on the line, uh, go ahead and, and state your question. Otherwise, uh, we're uh-huh. going to go ahead and end the show. I think there may be somebody on the line. Well, uh, I guess not. But uh, you haven't put it on Amazon.com. You uh, no, I we'll, haven't. We'll, we'll talk. I'll I'll, uh, I'll, sh- I'll show you how to do that. It's pretty easy. Okay. And uh, uh, it's 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 not bad at all. Hold on a minute. One more minute. Um, okay. Uh, give me. Uh, I, I assume that this caller isn't actually on the line. We thought there was one, but we're going to have to end the show now. Uh, okay. Is that is that your beeping? I, it I might be on my beeping. end. I don't know. I hear some beeping out there. Yeah, if I hear there is too. one, why they can ask a question. Um. Go ahead and, and let's do your contact information. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. Is the caller out there? Uh, I guess not. Go ahead and give me, give me, give him your contact information one more time. We kind of got. Okay. I started talking again, so go ahead, Preston. My email address is p r e w a s at gmail dot com. Okay, and and so I thank you very much. And, thank you for having uh, me, Gary. We'll be here next week. Okay. Good night, everybody. Take care. Good night. The most militant opponent of Booker T. Washington's philosophy of accommodation. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VTW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.